we will cry out hallelujah. He is Lord. Well, I reintroduced Pastor Jason to you. <laughs> really didn't have to do that. You know exactly who he is. I do want to introduce you to someone, though, that you haven't met this morning. I'm going to ask uh, Dakota King and Sarah King and their daughter, Lindley Ryan King, to, to come this morning. I'm going to ask... Granny Loretta and Aunt Abby to come. If you could stand out here and listen. Come stand in front here. <clears throat> you got to face this. People. This is um, a beautiful little girl. My granddaughter. Born several days ago and, and um, so grateful to God for her and uh, for all of your prayers and uh, all that you've sent our way as a result. We are so honored and blessed as a family and uh, just very, very grateful. Um, they're here this morning to dedicate their, their daughter, my granddaughter, <clears throat> to the Lord. So I'll speak to you, Dakota. And I'll speak to you, Sarah. If you guys want to come, come on over here and stand with us as well. So Dakota and Sarah, recognizing the gift that you've been given in this precious child, do you accept your biblically, biblical responsibility of raising and teaching her in the ways of the Lord? Knowing that God has specific plans for this child's life, Do you now present her to God to use for his glory in a manner in which he so chooses? Church family, recognizing this family as a critical part of the church body, do you commit to supporting them and loving this child as she grows, giving her the support and encouragement that she needs to fulfill her destiny in Christ? Thank you. Well, this is by far one of the most beautiful babies I've ever seen. <laughs> she is a, a beautiful little girl, and, and we have uh, and believe God has great plans for her. So if you would, let's just join together and let's pray over her right now. Father, I thank you this day, Lord, that we can stand here in this holy moment before you. And God, I thank you that it is you that ordains our steps and order our lives. 
Lord, there are things we don't understand at times, but God, you are so good. Lord, as I look at this child, Lord, my heart explodes with joy. And I thank you for all that you do. For God, you do all things well. And Father, we lift up Lindley to you right now and we ask you that God, you would fulfill your purposes in her life. Lord, may she dream dreams and have visions of of the things that you desire for her. Lord, may she uh, love and cherish and, and care for the things that you care for. Lord, may she speak your words and may she be used as a vessel of great love and compassion to those that she comes in contact with. God, I pray for this couple this morning, Lord, that you would anoint them and equip them to be the parents that you've called them to be. Lord, that you would uh, flow into their hearts and their lives and that, God, you would accomplish your purposes here in their lives and in this child's life. God, we rejoice in what you are doing and we say thank you today, Lord. God, I say thank you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Love you. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Here. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, my. If you would open up your Bibles this morning to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. If you would stand as we read the word of God this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word is power to change lives. And so, Father, we exalt you in this place, and we thank you that you call to us to lift up our heads and to give you praise and to bless you and to exalt you. And so, Father, we we thank you. God, I ask that you would take the simple words that are spoken and, God, that you would take them and do great things in our lives that we might be changed once again in your presence. We commit this to you now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist David is writing here, and he's speaking in a sense to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless him, O Lord. Bless him. And uh, it's an interesting thing because to bless the Lord means this that we recognize God's richness, his strength, and his gracious bounty. I want to tell you something this morning. It is so easy to get going in life so fast and furious that you can absolutely forget that God is the one who is giving you the breath that you breathe 
and the life that you have, we can get so caught up in the, the struggles of life that we begin to just take for granted the blessings that God has poured out all around us. We get overwhelmed with, with the, the craziness and the rat race of this life that we forget even to say, Oh Lord, I bless you. I exalt you. I acknowledge your greatness. I acknowledge your richness. I acknowledge the fact that you are gracious and your, your bounty is much towards us. So we're to recognize that and to express it. If you're going to bless, it's an expression. An expression of gratitude, an expression of delight, an expression of experiencing the goodness of God. Without question, life is full of difficulty. If when you became a Christian, you were under the impression that they would prepare a bed of roses for you to lay in and that there would be no problems, you misunderstood. For great are the problems and difficulties in life that we face. And just because we're children of God does not mean that we're immune to difficulty. Not only do we really face difficulties that are true and genuine, but they're also amplified because we have an enemy that wants to come and inflate the greatness of those difficulties and wants to stir us up and and get us focused on them and, and so that we, without even meaning to, we make comments like, I have no hope. We're not going to make it. It's over. The difficulties have become so great and so enormous that we forget who the one true giver of life and the one that is great, the one that is in our lives that we can turn to and look to because we focused on the struggle and the battle that we face. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The psalmist is writing here, and he's, it's as, he, as he's saying, as I said earlier, as if he's saying, bless the Lord. The Bible teaches us that there are three parts to who we are. We have our body, we have our soul, and we have our spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, May your God sanctify you completely, and may your whole body, soul, and spirit be kept blameless. This body that we grow in and we develop and we get so strong and then it all of a sudden seems to be breaking down and I don't know why my back is hurting the way that it is and I'm getting smaller and shorter and I don't know what's happening. Why is that going on? Why am I having these pains? Why do I look in the mirror and see wrinkles now and and this body that is full of life and yet it's also deteriorating right before our eyes? We're body. Slap my hand, I feel the pain. Our soul, our emotions, our feelings. Oh, that's a roller coaster, isn't it? (laughs) There are days that we're on cloud nine, and, and how many of you know it's easy to rejoice in the things of God when everything's going great? And then there are times of great despair and struggle. And my feelings take over and my emotions take over. And I'm moved by my feelings and emotions. And, and if I'm not sure, uh, if I don't get help quick, I'm out of control. <laughs> How many of you know a spouse like that? Thank you. Only one laugh. 
<laughs> My wife would say she would know. Our emotions go crazy. They can get the best of us. They can have us saying things that we would not normally say. They can have us responding and doing things that we would not normally do. You lose rationale if you get controlled by your emotions. Your soul can take over. And then there's our spirit. The spirit that lives forever. The spirit that is rejuvenated when Jesus comes and he begins to call you and woo you. He he comes and, and you call out to him and he comes, the Bible says, and he fills your spirit and you're made into a new creation. The old is passed away, the new has come. Your spirit man will live forever. It is that that will spend eternity with God in heaven forever and ever and ever. I am a man filled with the spirit of God who lives inside of me, trapped in this body, facing all kinds of emotions and feelings. And at times, they're not on the same page. I think Paul knew about that when he wrote uh, Galatians chapter 5 where he was speaking. I'll read this to you. In verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. You see, my body and my, my, my soul is what makes up my flesh. But my spirit man is that that God has redeemed. And he says to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, follow the leading of the Spirit. Don't be ruled by your emotions or your feelings or your your body, but follow the leading of the Spirit. It says that they are against one another, as if they're opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, Paul writes. It's interesting because the psalmist knew this. And it's almost as if he said to himself in time of great difficulty, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And in all honesty, I find myself doing the same thing even in this hour. Bless the Lord, O my soul. My emotions may be going crazy. My my feelings are out of control. But God, you reign You sit upon the throne. You are the king. I exalt you. I praise you. I worship you. I lift you up. I bless the Lord. And what I have found is this. That if I will begin to do those things and begin to open up my heart and call out to the Lord and begin to bless him and praise him, that my emotions tend to line up pretty quick. And even my body, as I begin to lift my hands, begin to thank him for who he is. The psalmist writes, bless the Lord, O my soul. How? How is, it that you, how is it that we can do that? Well, I think the psalmist gives us some explanation here in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's writing to us, don't forget what he's done for you. And he lists five things there. The first is this, because he forgives all of your sins. Second, he heals all your diseases. Third, he redeems your life from the pit. Fourth, he crowns your life with compassion and love. And fifth, satisfies your desires with good things. So we have reason to lift up our voices and bless the Lord. This morning, I want to take just a few moments to talk about the first one that forgives all your sins. When we think about forgiveness and what God has done for us, there are three things that I want to offer to you this morning. And the first one is this, that he removes our transgressions. 
Look in verse 10 of that same chapter, Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. There are three words that we see here in this passage of Scripture referring to sin. One is the word sin itself. The word sin in Scripture means to miss the mark. In missing the mark, what we're talking about is missing the standard of perfection that God has. We fall short of walking in perfection. God is holy. God is pure. There is nothing uh, imperfect or unpure of Him. And He calls us to be holy, and yet we do not hit the mark. We fall short of it. Therefore, we sin, according to Scripture. As I look at this passage of Scripture, I see the word iniquities. Nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. Iniquities is an interesting word if you study the word. It speaks of that which is on the inside of us. It's the struggle with lust. It's the struggle with hate. It's the struggle with greed and and. and All of the the things on the inside that are alive inside of us that may or may not be released. It's the inward struggle that takes place. The next word I want to introduce to you is transgression. It's found there in verse 12. He will remove our transgressions. And the word transgression speaks of that which is on the outside. It's those deeds that we carry out. It's the the outward expression, the outward trespass of going too far. It's the sin that is seen. I'll give you an example. Lust being the inward iniquity. Adultery being the outward transgression. So you have the inward and the outward. Isaiah 53.5. I love this verse because it speaks to this. It says this, He was wounded for our transgressions. His body was beaten. His skin was laid open. His outward body was, was beaten and flawed and, and, and hurt for our transgressions, those outward things. But listen to this, He was wounded for our transgressions and He was bruised for our iniquities. The bruising is the inward pain, the inward uh, wound that takes place. We see it, uh, it does form the darkness, the blue and the purple of bruising that, that does take place, but it's on the inside. And I love it because it says, He was wounded on the outward for our transgressions, and He was bruised, the inward, for our iniquities. And the Bible says that He removes these as far as the east is to the west. And he's speaking here in a linear plane, not like that of the earth that goes round. If I start east, I end up going west as I circle the earth. But this is a linear situation where the east is that way and the west is that way. And they never come in contact with each other. In fact, they go further and further and further. And the Bible teaches us that he removes our transgressions as far as the east is to the west. It's taken away. It's removed. It's gone. There's no record of it. I love it because we, we often tell jokes and there are things and, that are shared about God and, and uh, the file cabinet that he might have on each one of our lives and, and the things that he pulls. But I'm telling you t- this morning, there is no file cabinet with your name with all the sins in alphabetical order. 
There are no things that he can go to and pull out the file of 2012 when you did so-and-so and pull it up. It's gone, the Bible says. It's been removed. It's taken away. It's no longer there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's reason to shout. It's gone. It's the only way that the holy God can interact and commune with us because He being holy. He has to remove them. Christmas, I received a pair of pants. They were a little on the large side. The solution is very easy. Take the pants back and get the smaller size. So I did that, feeling pretty good about the fact that I could get the smaller size. I put them on the smaller size and decided that I would kind of do a little walkway for my family so they could see how well the new pants fit. And in doing so, they laughed. And they begged me and pleaded with me, Dad, please do not go out in public with those pants. They are way too tight. Don't do it. And someone from the first service said they were probably too short, too. And maybe they were. I don't know. They weren't working for me, guys. Well, when I walked out with these pants thinking that this was a good fit and looking pretty good and feeling good about myself, I had the receipt in my hand. And when they laughed and made fun of me, it frustrated me to no end. And I took that receipt and I wadded it up and I threw it across the room and I said, fine, I'll take them back. But then I thought, i got to take the receipt back. (laughs) So I went over and got the receipt and began to uncrumple it. I'd been ironing clothes. So I thought, well, the iron will be a nice thing to use to straighten out the receipt. Do you know you're not, receipts are not designed to be ironed. In fact, I took that receipt and I ironed it. And it went south real fast. There is nothing on here but this black, blotted out muck of, what is this? Do you know I went back to the place last night to try to get some new pants? To gain credit for these that didn't work? And they won't accept this. They would not accept it. Sir, that means nothing to me. There's nothing there. (laughs) That doesn't doesn't mean anything. $50 pair of pants will will surely, uh, you got to have the receipt in order to get the $50 credit. Sir, I I mean, I've got the receipt, but I just, I got mad. They didn't care. It does. Well, surely you can look it up. Surely you can go back and look it up in your records. Sir, there's no record here. We do know those pants. We can give you credit for the uh, lowest price that we've sold them within the last 30 days. Five dollars, by the way. It didn't help me any. Please go back. Surely there's a file. Some way you can punch it in, the number, the code, and find out that they were worth a lot more before then. Come on, you got to. Sir, we can't help you. There's no record. You see, we as Christians, a lot of times, we think that we hear the story of He has removed our transgressions. We are no longer held by sin. He doesn't even know from as far as the east is to the west. And yet in our minds we think, yeah, but if you'll just go back and punch it in really good, you can find it. But that's not so for God according to his word. It's gone. It's gone, my friends. It's gone. The Bible says he remembers our sins no more. 
Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 says, I am he who blots out all of your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins anymore. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. It's not that he forgot. He remembers no more. He chooses not to remember. My wife tells me to do something. I walk out of the room, and I forget. What did she say? It's not that he forgets. He's all-knowing. He knows all things. He's omni, uh, omnipotent. But he chooses not to remember. He chooses not to throw it in our face. He chooses not to come and put it before us so that he can manipulate us to be broken once again. He chooses to remember no more. Oh, but there are plenty that do remember. Who do you think's in the business of reminding you of all your sins? The devil. The devil. Yeah, he loves to remind you of your sins. He loves to bring it up and to, and to uh, curse you and condemn you and make you feel like you have nothing worth living for because you did so-and-so five years ago. And you have already gone to the church, you've already repented, you've, you've asked for forgiveness, you've moved on, and yet he has a great way of playing this back for you. And you're reminded of it once again. Now please hear me this morning. Sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. The Bible says it leads to death if you give over to sin. And, and there are consequences to sin. And in all honesty, there are times that even in life we walk and we are reminded because of the consequences that we're having to walk through. But I want to tell you this morning, I'm here as a messenger to tell you that God says He's not holding that against you. If you have given your life to Christ and you are born again child of God, then He is no longer waving that in front of you. It has been forgotten. It has been put away. It is He chooses not to remember any longer. It is as far as the east is to the west. He removes the transgression, transgression from you. He doesn't come to torment you or to beat you up. That's not from God. And as Christians, we're called to walk by the Spirit, which means that we're called to take every thought captive and say, who is this? Is this God saying this or is this the devil? Take your thoughts captive, folks. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let the enemy destroy you. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood was shed, and it was his blood that blotted out your sins. Just as, as seriously marked as this receipt is, so you are with the blood of Jesus. When God the Father looks at you, he looks and sees the blood of Christ covering you. When he looks at you, he sees that you are redeemed and washed and pure and made whole. He is a holy God. The only way you can have a relationship with God is because of what he did for you. It wasn't that you were good enough to do anything to earn it. It wasn't that you worked hard enough in the church or did enough good things in the, in the community so that you could gain favor with God. It was what he did for you. And the Bible says that he washes away your sins. He releases us from our iniquities. That's the next thing I'd tell you. He releases you from your iniquities. He releases you. Another word for release is to be forgiven or to pardon or to remove the debt. 
You see that in Psalm 103, verse 3. He forgives all of our iniquities. He took what we owed and he paid the price with his life on the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake he made him who knew no sin. Jesus walked upon this earth without any sin. He was pure. He was holy. He lived on this earth for 33 years without any sin whatsoever. And that is the reason he was able to go to the cross and die there on the cross as a payment for you and me. Something happened when he died on the cross. The sins that you and I have in our lives, the Bible says that he took and he bore them upon the cross. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. In other words, he took every sin that I have ever committed In the past, every sin that is in my life and every sin that I will commit, He took those things and put them upon Him. He's on the cross with all of our sins there. And He died. And the Bible says that He then took the righteousness and put it upon us. This morning, if you're a child of God, you're here righteous. Not because of your good works, but because of what He did for you. You're righteous. You're righteous. The Bible says that He came and He gave His life that He could release us from our iniquities. Remember the iniquities are those inner struggles. And in this room this morning, there are people that are struggling inside with some things. And I want to tell you something. You've been released because of what Jesus did. We somehow think that we can take that on as personality and justify it in our lives. I've just been a hothead all my life. I'm hot-headed. You know, I just lose. I mean, my temper's about that short, and that's just who I am. You've got to fight. You've got to deal with that. I'm just hot-headed. Do you know that Jesus died for hot-headed people? Hallelujah. Do you know that there are people that, that think that, well, I've just got a, I've got a problem with lust, and I've always had a problem, but I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I'm walking with Jesus, but it's just the way I'm bent. I've got a problem with lust, it's just that's the way I am. Do you know that Jesus died on the cross so that he can deal with just the way you are? Well, I'm jealous, I've got a jealous issue in my life. Do you know that Jesus deals with jealousy? Well, I'm just a greedy person. I like. Do you know that God wants to deal with your greediness? Okay, so I'm a little arrogant. It's just my personality. Do you know that God wants to deal with arrogance? You see, when we are born again, Jesus comes and lives inside of us. He changes us. He changes us. I'm here to declare to you this morning that what he did on the cross was enough. I lose my temper in my marriage. That doesn't mean you have to walk around with a temper all your life. Call out to God. It's already been paid for. Let Him change you. I have hate in my heart. Call out to God. He's already paid the price for it. 
He knows everything about you. And he loves you. And Jesus died on the cross to set you free. This morning as I'm reading this scripture and I'm thinking about this, I find myself being reminded I need to know that I don't have to settle for less because he's already paid it all. And I can bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why? Because he forgave me of all my sins. If for no other reason, I can do a jig because of that. If that's all he did. Oh, he's done so much more, folks. He forgave us of all our sins. This morning we're going to take communion and we're going to remember the sacrifice that was made. But before we do, we always like to give an opportunity for people to be prayed for. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard about the message of what Jesus did on, for you on the cross and how he truly desires to remove all sin from your life. And he's forgiven you. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. This morning I want to tell you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to call upon the name of the Lord. Today is the day to ask Jesus to come and be Savior of your life. This isn't just a, well, I hope it gets better. Jesus literally comes in your life and takes over. And he transforms you. And he gives you the power to walk free. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with just, man, my emotions are all over the place and I just, I just want somebody to agree with me in prayer, in what is true and what God's Word says. This morning there will be elders and leaders that will be here that we can stand with you and pray for you this morning and ask God to just give you this insight and let you see He's already paid the price for you. Or maybe you're facing something that you just want someone to agree with you. We're going to open up the altar for a moment of prayer, time of prayer. The praise and worship team are going to lead us in some praise, and I want you just to, to, to be very sensitive to what God is saying to you in this moment. We'll pray for one another here in this time, and then afterwards, before we leave, we'll take communion. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word that is true. I thank you for the word that you really have set us free. And yet, Lord, so many of us try to live the Christian life and we're so burdened and, and under bondage. And God, I thank you that chains are broken and you remove them. So, Lord, I pray for that freedom to manifest in this place in the hearts of your people. I pray, God, that your people would walk blessing you and exalting you for your goodness. I pray, Lord, for those that are hurting this morning and struggling. God, I pray that, God, you would let them see your goodness and the freedom that you bring. Lord, we commit this time to you and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each heart in this place today. And we rejoice in your goodness. We thank you, God, that we can come before you. Have your way here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.